I'm Margaret Mueller, President and CEO of the Executives Club of Chicago, Chicago region's top business forum. Join me on the Executives Exchange as I go deep with some of the most successful executives from the Chicago region and unlock the keys to their success. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this. Tune in to the Executives Exchange for a powerful conversation between Wendell Dallas, NICOR Gas CEO, and Ralph Cleveland, President of the American Association of Blacks in Energy. In this episode, they delve into Wendell's career, sharing insights on mentorship and why being a mentor keeps you grounded. This episode was recorded in front of a live audience in August, 2023. Well, oh no, oh no. So I first have to tell you that Wendell and I met over 20 years ago. I started as a newly minted uh, manager, uh, region manager down in Savannah, Georgia uh, for Atlanta Gaslight Company. I had come over from oil and gas, the oil and gas industry. And then I met Wendell. Wendell was actually the distribution supervisor in my hometown of Macon, Georgia. So I had every reason to get to know uh, Mr. Dallas. Uh, And so it's been been a terrific journey for, for him. It's been a terrific journey for us as we've supported each other through the years now. And so it's absolutely my honor and pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I would not want to be any place else. Yeah, which the- makes me very nervous <laughs> right now. Um. So uh, what we want to do is kind of just have a dialogue, uh, conversation, and it really is about uh, sort of leadership uh, and kind of the things that you've learned over the years. Uh, and in that, you got to kind of start from the beginning, right? So uh, share a little bit about your upbringing, where you, where you grew up, and what were some of the critical things that you learned that you still carry with you today? All right. Uh, so most of you may, if you know me, I describe growing up in Alabama. And uh, that's right. But my parents actually are uh, met in the military, so they're Air Force. So I was actually born overseas, but we moved around the U.S. when I was real young, but we settled in Opelika, Alabama. And that's my father and my grandfather, both born and raised in Auburn, Alabama. And uh, so my dad didn't want me to move into the same city where he grew up with all my cousins. He moved me next door, so I'd have my, sort of my own path. And uh, so that's how we settled there. The, the a small town, uh, it was great. Uh, the, the chance to really gain appreciation for what a small community, what a tight community feels like. I got a chance to, to see that firsthand but also had the privilege of being able to grow up around my relatives. And I'll tell you today, that's not a privilege that most children have, where you can actually go to your grandparents literally um, whenever you wanted to. And I got the chance to experience them throughout, all the way through through college. My father, uh, probably from him, I I got more of the, from a military standpoint, that's where I got this, my, the focus on, you know, don't do a half job. Um, and my dad let me know when I did a half job, and I learned how not to do a half job. But I, I look at my mom, my mom really was the one that really, really taught me that I really could do anything. Um, and so my parents ended up divorcing when I got to middle school. So I really was in a single parent family. And my mom spent a lot of time with me and she had me doing everything. So a lot of my coworkers now, they go, do you ever say no to anything? It's like, well, mom never let me say no to anything. I had to do everything. 
Um, but what she was doing was really exposing me to so many different things, so many different people, and I got a chance to really learn from, from people that really cared about you. Because as you know, when you're playing sports, you're on teams, you're with other families, other parents, uh, you learn so much, you gain so much insight. And I feel very fortunate because I feel like people have always poured into me. So at a young age, all these changes going on, immediate family close by, I felt like I, I could, you know, I almost feel like I could do anything. So whatever I set my mind to is really what I was focusing on. So that sort of gave me this, this belief that I could do um, different things. And one thing, one point in time that I really cherish to this day was that, so when I'm in middle school and um, I'm not sure how many of you like math and science, but I, I really, I loved math. And they had me in a, in, a, in a course, yeah, you're, I'm a nerd. Okay. <laughs> they had me in a course and my teacher basically uh, said, you're really good at math. And so she said, you know, well, what are you gonna be when you grow up? And I said, I don't know. She goes, you know, you'd make a really good engineer. And so that one conversation with my math teacher, Mrs. Mitchell, um, really set me on a course. And she said, not only are you good at math, I want you to take two maths this year so that you can actually get caught up with all of the college prep courses when you get to high school. I was like going, I don't know what college prep is. I didn't know, wait, no, what is that? High school, what are you talking about? I'm seventh grade. So I took two maths and she helped me. And that really started me on this path of believing that you know when people see potential and opportunity in you, that and they, they pour into you, that helps you tremendously. But again, that one conversation. And Ralph, I'll tell you, years later, after I graduated working as an engineer, um, I went back to see Mrs. Mitchell uh, to thank her. Mm. Um, and because, just let her know that she set me on a course that changed my entire life. So it's just, just really, I appreciated the fact that when you're young, you're impressionable and you have opportunities to engage and learn. All of us adults in the room right now, Keep that in mind. Whenever you have a conversation with a young person, talk to them, get to their level. Don't talk above them, don't, you know, but just, you know, have a conversation. Describe what you see in them. I mean, because it just, it just matters. And it, and it really does change lives. Yeah, and for that. And, and I, I can tell you that one of the things Wendell does so well is, is stay present and really see and spend time with the people he's around. So I, I give you all the kudos in the world for that. So tell us about where you went to school. How was that? What school at Auburn? War Eagle. War Eagle. Eagle. There's only like one in here? What's in the world, man? Um, does anybody know what the SEC is? SEC? Okay, all right. Listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna keep everybody calm right now. because I'm about to, I, I see people picking up food and stuff, so hang on, let's just calm down. Um, so I went to Auburn, and uh, so again, like I said, my father, uh, born and raised there, my grandfather born and raised there. Actually, my grandparents, their story, my father was a taxi driver. My grandmother actually cleaned the house of the president. Mm. That was one of her jobs. And they, never, they didn't get a formal education. They married when they were in high school, had seven kids, my father being one of them. Um, but, you know, to go there, um, go to the Auburn campus. Um, I didn't really, first went to college really because my parents didn't go to college. 
And it was just an incredible experience. And, and I, I could probably spend a whole hour on Auburn, but, but I will tell you this much. My grandmother, her, I learned so much from her. Because, you know, our, our grandparents, that generation experienced so much in life. We talk about, we, we come on the, the shoulders of the previous generations. My grandmother, grandfather never complained a day in their life. My grandmother had a smile on her face every day. When I was around her, she energized me. So I'd, I'd come off campus just dead, tired, hungry. You know, hungry, right? Because we didn't have a lot of money. And I'd go to grandma's. And my grandmother's name was Ruth. So I called her Ma Ruth. So we, as a kid, I said, Ma Roof. I thought it was R-O-O-F. But it was Ma Roof. That was, that's the way we always described her. That's all I knew. I didn't know her. I didn't, I didn't know anything else. It's just Ma Roof. That's who that is. But she would cook uh, my favorite meals. She'd tell me to go to the back room, take a nap. And we would just talk about what was going on. You know, what are you stressed about? And she'd describe stories. She'd talk about my dad, you know, things that he did when he was growing up. And I, I reflect on those moments in time, and I really, really appreciate the fact that she kept me calm, kept me focused, and gave me that support structure I needed at that point in time. I couldn't get that anywhere else. And so I cherish that. So when I think about my grandmother, my, just my father's mother, her name's Ruth. My mother's middle name is Ruth. Her first name's Fanny, Fanny Ruth Stewart. She grew up. But she's a Ruth in my life. And as I told you earlier, she had tremendous influence on exposing me to so much, really telling me or teaching me I could do anything I set my mind to. And my wife's name is Ruth. <laughs> so I, I call it the Ruths in my life. You know, we talk about women having an influence on our, on our lives for, for us men. I definitely can tell you that I'm the person I am today because of the women in my life. That's awesome. So you mentioned Ruth got kids. Yeah, I got kids too. Yeah, so share a little bit about and one the of my kids. kids is she, she's she, her middle name is one of our, our middle daughter. Her name is Ruth. Middle name is Ruth. Um, so I have two girls and a boy. Um, that, as I like to say, my son will kill me if he ever listens to this. Two girls and a prince. <laughs> right? Because I tell you, man, I wanted to be him my whole life. Because you know, he had the, the his big sisters picked on him growing up, and I said, you know, one day he's going to grow up, and y'all going to regret this. Now, he's about 6'3 right now, good-looking kid, but it was just funny watching him grow, and I taught him how to terrorize his sisters, and I just recorded that, didn't I? Okay, right, yeah. but I did, um, yeah. but I just I love our kids. My kids are uh, 29, 26, and uh, 23, so uh, three, the, my last one just finished college, so that's a, just got a pay raise yeah. two months ago. Absolutely. So That's okay. awesome. So, uh, and I'm going to weave these couple of things together. So you, you've raised three kids, um, you know, you, you come through your own journey, you start your career, and, and th that, that experience then, I'm sure, has given you some guiding principles. Because, you know, I tell people all the time, raising kids, it's a lot like helping others to grow and develop as well. Yeah. And so there are things that you learn in, in all of those endeavors. So I want you to share a little bit about you know, some of the guiding principles you picked up and you carry with you based on that background, their experience, raising kids, that kind of thing. And th thanks, Ralph. Um, you know, I, so my, a lot of my, my employees over time that I've worked with, 
they asked me, you know, what is, what's my leadership style or philosophy? And I describe it as servant leadership. And I know many know what servant leadership is, but it really is, that is, that's what drives me. If you think about my parents being in the military, serving. You think about my grandparents, what they, what they did in their life, serving others. All the jobs when you're in your business, your first job out of high school or whatever you're doing, you're serving. You're serving, serving, serving. And I learned and appreciated very early that when you engage, when you give up yourself, when you focus on others, you have empathy, it changes how you view the world. And so I've always tried to look, you know, look at things from the people that are around me, their perspectives, and then figure out ways to engage with them. So I feel like that's what guides me and all my activities. So if I'm doing anything, going back to my father, don't do a half job, you're all in. I try to be all in, I try to be present. But I, I take that into everything I do. So whether it's with the kids, whether I'm on vacation, whether it's on a date with my wife, I'm all in. And, you know, and that's, that's really, a, a, to me, that's, that's helped me. It's kept me balanced. It's kept me focused on the real things. I think uh, another thing that I, which Ralph, you know, um, that guides me is I've got to have fun with what I'm doing. You know, because, you know, life's too short for you not to enjoy. So listen, there's, you're going to have bad days and tough challenges out there. Listen, we've got plenty of them. And it currently, in my, in my current job today, I've got plenty of them. Um, <laughs> But, I will t I, but enjoying the people around you, enjoying the moment, looking for those opportunities to create laughter, um, it's just one of the most rewarding things ever. And it's contagious. So once you start it, others, even people scowl on their face, you know, like, hey, why are you so ugly? Why are you looking like that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and it's like, you, but you can get people to laugh. And so I feel like that's, a, that's something that also guides me is that helping me to stay, keep that energy going, um, you know, Ralph, I, I think the, the thing that I, I look at is I always try to, if, if I'm working with you or talking to you, my goal in my conversation with you is to leave you energized when we finish talking. You know, I don't want you walking away from me depleted because then, you know, people don't, they're not around you. But when you give off energy to others, you get energy back from them and it's contagious and it's, it's, uh, it's encouraging and upbuilding. So, you know, I try to keep things very simple, hard worker, do what you say. You know, again, going back to what my parents taught me. So I live by that. If I tell you I'm gonna do something, and I may, it may not be exactly when I told you I would do it, but I'm gonna work on it until I get it done. Um, my wife's not here, is she? Okay, all right. But I will tell you, that's, but that's do what you say you're gonna do. Your credibility, your voice, who you are, is defined by what you say and do. And so, and it's, and the small stuff matters. Um, if, cause if you can't do the small stuff, well, you can't do the big stuff because the, the big stuff is made up of a bunch of small stuff. Excellent. So, a uh, couple of takeaways I have from that. Cause I, I heard this once and, and you have to know Wendell and I, Will and I, we'd be at restaurants just laughing and yucking it up, having fun. One thing I can say is if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Right. So, and that somebody told me that at a time when I was not having fun. So um, let's let's was it me? No. <laughs> so um, you know, talk a little bit about what you are passionate about um, in in the role that you're in, and mm -hmm. and just as the leader you are at this particular point in time. Well, I hope it's obvious. I love people. 
Um, and I, I love it. I love it when I get the, oh, I didn't know you were an engineer, right? Right. That's that, that's. I mean, I just. It's more about the the HR side of the world that we're in. We're all in the people business. If you're a leader, you, it's all about the people. So, and early in my career, I had to learn that. You know, because as an engineer, what do we do? It's our own skills that bring us to the table. It's like, you know, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, I don't want anybody else touching what I'm doing because I'm, I'm going to do it myself. But once you step into a leadership role, then it, then it becomes you're empowering others to get the work done. You have to rely and trust. So I had to learn all those things early in my career. So what I appreciated about going on that journey is that that's the secret. You know, if you really want to have a successful organization, a successful team, it's the development of the people around you. And so if you're not developing and pouring in each day, then they're not going to benefit from anything you know. They're not going to grow. And oh, by the way, they're not going to pour into others either. So I spent a lot of time on workforce development, employee development, leadership development. That's where, to me, I feel like I can create the greatest influence, share the most that I have to give. Um, when I reflect back on individuals who helped me, you know, because Ralph, you know this. I think you were, you were like the first African-American manager in Savannah. I think I was the first one to make it. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, a lot of times you're, you're, we're going like we're the first, you know, in a lot of these things. And a lot of times we'd be the only one in there. And but so that means in order for us to be successful, others had to invest in us. And they did. And so as I reflect on that, it's like, you know, I'm here because others coached me and guided me. And when I doubted, they gave me that boost, that confidence. So I feel like the more we invest, the more we create opportunities for individuals around you to learn, for you to share your experience, you make you create a, a great, a much stronger network. And that development is the key. Because when you, a person's growing or developing, their whole world changes. So from a workforce development standpoint, I think about our inner circles, we can do those things, we have personal relationships, but well, what about the community? Well, there are a lot of folks out there, you know, that if they got that one good, solid job, it would change their whole family's world in life. And so we should be thinking about and looking for those opportunities. How can I help organizations develop or, you know, spend more time in communities? How can I, how can I pour into organizations that are searching for ways to help individuals and communities get better? I'll, 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 I do want to brag a little bit about the NICOR Gas Career Academy, working with our partners. That really is working with the Quad County Urban League, who's identifying talent within the communities that we're serving. And then we bring the individuals into a six-week course and really expose them to the entire natural gas value chain. So contractors, vendors, the IBEW. I mean, there's just, it's all of us working together, giving, showing them there's a different world out there. Oh, by the way, literally in your backyard, did you know it? And nine times out of 10, they don't know it. Um, and so using you know, non-traditional methods to find or engage, I think it's important for us. So I know our team, we're constantly looking for ways that if we're doing anything to get back to our communities, I've got this workforce mindset that's like, well, how's it gonna touch that community so we can create jobs? So when we go out and do any sort of energy fair, where we also have, here's how you apply for a job for our company. We want our communities working for our company because we are our communities. It's all about our customers, but 
if you can have your customers join your organization, then you're gonna, you're gonna have the best organization in the world because you know how to, you know what you're looking for, you know what you need. And we have so many different, the, the diversity of our customer base is so large, we've got to make sure we're engaging in every way possible. And to me, workforce development is that most logical you know, way to get there. And keep in mind too, workforce development is economic development. Okay, so it is, they're one and the same. So it, it, it's, it's, it's like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you plan to do? What do you think you can accomplish as a result of the investment you're making? And there are a lot of people out there that, that do this each and every day. And we, we've got to make sure that we're finding them and not trying to create our own theme. And I think that the more that we connect with individuals in this space and give them capacity to be able to do more and we create awareness and create opportunities, that's the thing that, that's the game changer. On a, I do, and I do feel an obligation, a duty um, to do that. Yeah, so, and I have to share with you, relative to that passion of Wendell's, he's been involved in workforce development issues, starting in, in Savannah with the local workforce investment board. He served um, through the appointment of the Georgia governor on the state workforce investment board. And he's been active at the national level uh, with workforce investment. And so this, he's living that commitment daily. And so my, my hat's off to you for that. Uh, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about uh, your role here, uh, CEO of NICOR Gas. You've been here a little over a year. Yes. Uh, what's been your, your greatest success here so far? Wow, that's a, that's a hard question, Ralph. Um, the reason why it's a hard question for me is it's not about me. Um, I will tell you, uh, personally, my greatest success is connecting with my team, connecting with the community. That's, that's who I am. And so I feel like I've been able to do that. Chicago has welcomed me here, Chicago land area. And my, I, I, listen, I know I'm biased. I feel like I've, I got the greatest team in the world. I love my team. I love the people that I work with each and every day. I love the people that are taking care of you, uh, providing great service. And so to me, the, the, the fact that they welcome me in, I feel like I'm doing my job supporting them, representing them, um, that's a huge success. But I also think about in terms of taking care of our customers. So we're in this clean energy economy here uh, in Illinois, you know, we're a natural gas company. Um, and some people have views on natural gas companies. That's what I'll say. And, um, but the thing that I'll, I'll help folks appreciate is that we're doing all the right things when it comes to um, this clean energy economy because folks, we need natural gas. And so um, when I look at how we're trying to make sure that all of our customers can benefit. I, last I checked, I think it gets cold up here. I think, I think it gets cold. So, you know, this coming from Georgia now, so I moved up from Georgia last year and it's been a little bit of an adjustment. <laughs> My wife, Southern girl, born just does not like cold weather. Listen, I've been in the gas business my entire career. She does not like cold weather, but she loves me, which is great. Um, but it's, so it just, you know, knowing that this, it's really a necessity to life here, um, then, I, you know, we got to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help our customers in this, in this world, in this economy. 
One thing that we're doing in particular that I'm really proud of is I, I, I see one of our colleague, my colleagues here, the Smart Neighborhood, where NICOR Gas um, is, um, is partnering with the Habitat for Humanity, Fox Valley Habitat for Humanity, and we're building a smart neighborhood where these homes, as you know, will be affordable homes, but it's gonna have the balance of solar, electrical, and natural gas appliances. And we worked with uh, the National Renewable Energy Lab to design the most ideal home in today's world. And so we're, we're putting these, we're putting 17 homes in the, in the Aurora area. But that's just an example of how we need to play our part in this process to come up with an affordable way, a path for all of our customers. And from an energy standpoint, we've got to think about these things because when you look at the energy, now you, many of you probably don't know this, I'm not sure where you live, but if you're in the northern part of Illinois, at least 70 to 80% of your energy is produced from natural gas, either directly or indirectly. So it's not, uh, it's, a, it's a fact. So for us, in this, where we're trying to focus on emission reduction and clean energy, what's our role in this process? Well, for us, it's to make sure that we're doing everything we can to minimize emissions. So everything we touch is focusing on that objective which then in turn says, while you need us, we're also gonna be very smart about how we supply natural gas to you. And so that's the things that, when, as when we focus on the world we're in, the things we're really good at, leveraging all the resources we have access to, Illinois is counting on NICOR Gas and all my fellow energy companies to be doing these things. We just, we have to be part of the equation. Um, and so understanding that, appreciating that, that's, that's what we do each and every day. And why I'm so thankful that I've got a team that's really, that's much smarter than I am. Um, and we have, we have our vendors and suppliers that are out there helping us to figure these things out. We're making investments in smaller companies. As you know, smaller companies tend to move faster than the larger ones. So we're partnering with some of them. As they emerge and grow, then we leverage that technology, that innovation that they're doing. For instance, we have, so a southern company invests in Energy Impact Partners, EIP. Mm -hmm. One company came out as Urban, mm -hmm. and so what they're it's a it's a company that's we're using technology to help us, an AI by the way, mm -hmm. to take all the different parameters and figure out what areas on our system are the most at risk, and when so based on all these factors coming in, it says this area is the most at risk to damage because damaging our facilities is one of our biggest challenges. Well, what we do is we send resources to that area to better protect those areas during construction. Now that's using technology and innovation that came from a smaller company who's now doing a lot of business for us. That's just one example. So we're investing in paying attention to becoming a, a partner, a member. We're making these investments to make sure that as Illinois grows or any other parts of the world grow, but it's just for me more specifically Illinois, that we're part of that value chain, that conversation. We're at the table helping to make decisions. We're bringing our total selves to this, to the, to the entire mix. Because we comfortably feel that to meet the energy needs, it's all the above approach. And, yep. and I, I can assure you folks, you're gonna, you're gonna need us. <laughs> January and February and March. And really I could say, Six months out of the year, I'm still adjusting. I'm, I'm, my golf game is going to suffer up here. How, how was your first winter here? My first winter up here was 
Okay, I'm gonna say it. It was mild. It was mild. All here is like, window, quit your whining. You'll learn, none of us like it. You'll learn how to adjust. You know, just eat your peas, Wendell, eat your peas. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. So, but it's, you know, it's definitely was mild. And I think I've acclimated a little bit because I've, I've been down to Georgia lately and I was complaining how hot it was down there. It's like, good night. How do you people live down here? Uh, but, but again, it was mild. And I know that, that it's, more is coming because we didn't have a lot of snow this year. I mean, there's, I'll be quiet. Yeah, it's mild. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Sure. Audio equipment for the Executives Exchange podcast is provided by Sure Incorporated. When your team is depending on you for information and motivation, you can't afford to sound anything less than clear and confident. For nearly 100 years, performers and world leaders have depended on Sure microphones. Whether you're in front of a camera or behind a podium, Sure lets you sound extraordinary. Welcome back. So one question, Wendell, is how do you continue to shape your career over time? Talk about developing your network, talk about mentors, talk about champions, mm. those things that you know help guide you along the way in your career and, and kind of how you now tell others to leverage those resources. Great question. Um, everybody should be a mentor. Listen, I, you should, it should be your goal objective every day to help someone else. And here's why I say that. Mentoring makes you relevant. Mm. Okay? It, just, it, it does. Because, you know, it's a, one of those things that's, that's kind of funny to me is like when you, um, you know, so I, I've had the privilege of working in various roles or positions in the organization, right? So I've got a lot of experience and knowledge here. It's, it's helped shape who I am. But you know how, uh, I'm choosing words wisely here, how dumb it sounds if it's like, I know exactly how you feel. When I had your job, this is what we did. What, what do you need help with, right? It's crazy because the world that I grew up in versus the world people are growing up in today, completely different. We had this thing called COVID hit. I think the world's changed completely, right? So everything is new. The point is, yes, you have knowledge and experience that people can benefit from. But just know that individuals that are going through it right now, living it right now, are the ones that are going to educate and teach you. So mentoring is not a one-way street. I'm going to tell you what to do. You've hit my schedule. I make mentoring a priority because I know that's gonna keep me grounded. I know that I'm going to learn. I know that I'm having an opportunity to be energized by somebody else. Because their world, their journey, it's all new. I've never seen or experienced it before. So why, why deprive myself of that privilege? So it's not about me as an individual, it really is more about you know, how can I help, how can I learn, and then how can I in turn then teach and share that same passion and energy for others. So I know my, part of my leadership team is here and they know how I feel about this because um, what, I, the, the, what I love about my team here, in, in fact, Nike Tables, can y'all show who you are? You're, yes, thank you. So 
I will tell you, um, the first thing I did when I, when I got here was um, I asked our leaders to identify the middle levels of the organization. Our middle managers are rising emerging stars. And I got a chance to pull several of them. In fact, I'm still meeting with some now, but I pulled several of them in to actually have that conversation. Now, as you know, you know, getting called to the principal's office is not the <laughs> most exciting thing in the world, right? And I, we, as much as you try to coach them and say, you're not in trouble and all this, you know, but, and my schedule doesn't allow me to go to them, so they had to come to me. But what I'm finding there is, is that giving them a chance or an opportunity to gain some insight and perspective for myself, but what I, they fill out a two-page document which gives me their world. And I read it. So when they come in, I know everything that they've said. And it's a, we have a conversation. And that conversation is around, you know where you are, first of all, you're on a list. You know, we think you're gonna be somebody in this organization. And then I give them points. Here's some things to think about. You got a long time, don't, you just, don't do this tomorrow. But here's some things that you, challenges you may encounter. Here's some opportunities and things that you can do that's gonna help you gain more insight. And then I answer their questions. And what I'll tell you for me, it's one of the most encouraging, upbuilding parts of my day. Because I'm meeting with leaders with all this potential. And they're, for a lot of them, the first time they've ever sat down with the president. And listen, I hate the fact that I have to say that I'm the president, but that's, that's my role. But it's, 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 for me, it's, it's been super encouraging because I do feel like they've gained some insight and that they're trusting themselves more as a result of it. I've, my career, you know, obviously starting out as an engineer, I think starting out as an engineer gave me, gave me a lot of insight into how the business operates or works. And in the utility space, being an engineer, it helps you a lot. Um, because you have credibility within the organization, because not all positions have the same credibility within the organization. And then when you're really good at what you do, you really know all the details of the business and no one can take that away from you. And I think because of that, it's, it's giving me opportunities to do other parts in the business. So I've been in supply chain, construction operations, I've been in governmental affairs, I've been in economic community development, I've been in operations. I mean, so I've done all these different roles, or I couldn't keep a job, one of the two. Um, <laughs> but I've had the opportunity to do a lot of these different roles. Sales and marketing uh, was the last role. So my last job before coming up here, I was the vice president of sales and marketing for Georgia Power Company, the largest subsidiary in Southern Company. So I sit on the electric side of the business. So I have a great appreciation for the entire mix. And oh, by the way, that knowledge and experience helps me to understand what's happening in Illinois right now, why we have to be part of the solution. But when you have that knowledge and experience, it just enables you to better serve your customers. And it's for me, that's like, it's like, when I first came out of college, all my, all my friends were like going, you're going to work for a utility, natural, natural gas? And it was like, it was like the dumbest move in the world, right? <laughs> that's what they said, they, they, I mean, it's, but they, they ain't laughing now. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, energy's cool, this is the place to be, and all of us need it, and it's, we're always gonna need it, and you get a chance to work with some really smart people. And the other cool thing is the people in our industry are the salt of the earth. They are, mm -hmm. 
you you go, you can talk to, I, I see my, one of my buddies in here, Torrance and others, and you talk to anybody in our industry, they will do anything for you. They will take your, they're, they're, here, they're here to serve you. You need help, they're gonna help you. That's the way they're wired and programmed. Why I stayed in this industry is because I love the people in our industry. And to, they, they take great care of you because they understand that they're to serve you to help you. I'm going to answer the question. Yeah, I, I, I think so. All right. I think based on the reaction. So um, you, you mentioned COVID. Um, we're living in this uh, post-COVID world. So many things have changed. The, sort of the whole premise of you know going into the office every single day and that sort of thing. Some of those things have changed. So talk to us about the post-COVID world from, from where you sit as a president of a, of a company and, and how it's changed maybe uh, some of the underlying premises of workforce development, training, those, those areas. Well, so first of all, we're a 24-7, 365 company. And you don't want our employees at home. So let me, <laughs> let me leave with that. <laughs> Let's just let that sink in for just a second. So, you know, our, our, our employees never stopped working. Never. Even during this whole pandemic, we did, we changed our procedures, but we never stopped working. Now, in our corporate organization, we had different opportunities or different luxuries, right? We could do things a little bit differently, and we did for a while. But now we're back to, for us, it's, we're in three days a week. And, you know, most, most companies say, well, three days a week or 12 days, of whatever, all, you know, all this people, and people are really smart. So I'm going to work Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then if it's 12 days a month, I'm going to work the first 12, and then I'm off thing, right? So <laughs> ours is really more about uh, coming in the same days, because the reason why we have individuals coming into the office is, folks, there is an element or dynamic that's there. The same reason you're all in the room right now. Now, if you were doing this virtually, would you have the same experience? No, no. And, it's, and so while during COVID we changed how we engaged, and a lot of, in a lot of cases that was the only way we could engage, but you miss out on so much, the human element. So as I try to tell people, this really is for your own benefit of trying to engage more, to be, be present more, because when you connect virtually, as soon as you're finished, you hit that stop button and you're gone, you're disconnected from the world. But as you know, when you're in the room, conversation and dialogue continues on. And so the information, the speed at which things operate, when you're disconnected from that, you're gonna be further behind than others. It's a fact. So you can argue, well, I, I'm gonna, I don't wanna work this company because they don't, they, they don't do that or make us come in. Listen, I don't think we should argue about those things. But really, if you really want to truly be a leader and engage and learn and learn how to lead and, and lead others, have opportunities and people to see you, you're going to have to get back into a more normal mode of operation. Um, so again, I'm not, uh, for us, it's three days a week. And the nice thing is while we put Tuesday through Thursday so that we all benefit from being there at the same time, um, if you ask our team, our Mondays and Fridays look pretty good as well. So people are starting now to do more in that space, but I think it is a matter that if you really put in the work and you engage, 
you're going to benefit from that. So I would, I would encourage more folks to return back to that environment because it's just a different world. And uh, for I'm an extrovert and I get energized when I'm around people. It was a hard thing in the world to be sitting on that computer because the other thing is like, I could talk off reverence, but it, you know, when you're on virtually, you're literally on like the whole time. You can't even smile or laugh, can't blow your nose, can't drink. I mean, because everybody's looking at you. It's like, you don't know if they're looking at you or somebody else, but you're on the whole time. You know how that feels? Kind of like right now. <laughs> but, but it's, but you know, you're on the whole time when that's on and it's stressful. You wondered why you were like burned out. Then you crammed all these meetings in. It's like, come on, let's, let's not kill ourselves here. Let's, you know, being, being in person is very efficient, very effective. We shouldn't criticize or minimize that. It's very important. All right, so we got about five minutes left. Oh man, just. Yeah, so uh, lightning round. What's oh. your favorite spectator sport? College football. Huh. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I know. Yeah, no, man. It's a South, man. Come on. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Cubs or White Sox? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got? Politician. Uh. <laughs> all right. What's your dream job outside of the energy industry? Oh, man. Oh, okay. All right. I'm a trumpet player. All right, jazz musician, man. Okay. Traveling the world, man. That would be, man, I'd be in all the joints, man, playing, man. You know, it's like, I'd be the man. Wendell Dallas. <laughs> all right, so uh, last question. Let's fast forward 10 years. Where do you see the gas industry, and then specifically, where do you see NICOR gas? First of all, the gas industry is still going to be here. We're going to be, we're going to, so right now, as I said before, we're looking at innovation, technology, we're focusing on affordability in terms of taking care of our customers, but we're also looking at hydrogen, or we're looking at different ways to reduce emissions. We're looking at modernizing our system. So all these things, you've got a ton of activity happening in the space right now. That's only going to get better over time. Mm -hmm. And for us, we're going to be at the table. We are positioning ourselves to be a player in this mix. We want to add value. We want to create value for our customers. So I see NICOR driving, being right in the middle of it. And the other nice thing is NICOR Gas is part of Southern Company, so we have all the electric company resources at our disposal that are helping us. So when we talk about energy in Illinois, it's not just natural gas. It's energy in Illinois. And we're going to figure out the best way to serve our customers in the most economical way. It's going to be an exciting time. I'm saying bring it. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I want to speak for fellow nerds out here. You make nerds being a, being a good thing. It, it, you, being a nerd wasn't cool until you came along. Man, man. <laughs> You're going to make me cry, man. <laughs> So, um, uh, terrific conversation. I want everybody to give Wendell uh, a round of applause. That's all for today's episode of the Executives Exchange, sponsored by Shure Incorporated. Thanks for listening. If you have Chicago speakers you think we should cover, please send us an email at media at executivesclub.org. The Executives Exchange is a production of the Executives Club of Chicago. 
audio equipment for the Executives Club podcast is provided by Shure. Whether you're making a point or making history, Shure lets you sound extraordinary. It's written by me, Margaret Mueller, produced by Eva Pinar. Research and support from the staff of the Executives Club of Chicago. We appreciate you subscribing and reviewing the show from wherever you listen. Feel free to follow the club on Twitter at Exec Club and on LinkedIn. If you have more questions or are interested about becoming a member at the Executives Club of Chicago, check us out on the web at executivesclub.org.